Welcome to the Big Scuba Podcast. My name is Kevin and I'm here with Gemma and Ian for a big chat about my diving journey. Hello and welcome to the Big Scuba Podcast. Welcome back everybody. This is episode 13. This is Ian and online we've got Gemma. Hello. Excellent. So we've got a great guest. His name's called Kevin Rinden. Before we get to our guest, let's let's get to some shout outs and thank yous, as I'll probably forget otherwise, and Gemma will be telling me off. Right, so shout outs. Let's do the shout outs first. Gemma, who have we got? Let's say thank you to our patrons first. Yep, uh, so yep, we've got John and Matt and Ted and Sue. Brilliant. Uh, we can't do this without you guys, so thank you very much. Please do carry on. We want to to say thank you very much everybody you know it's brilliant what you do you know it, it, it certainly does help there is a free way as well where you can uh, just like and share or i also need to just to say thank you very much to our bands we've got some yeah. great bands to help us we are always looking to add to our friends in the music industry if you send in your music and we'll put it on there um, but thank you very much to our band telling truths marigolds blood like honey yeah. right next i've got to say hello to andy the northern diver if you haven't heard me mention andy before well, you have now he look him up he's on youtube he's a got a great youtube channel i'll challenge you to contact him with an idea of something you want to see yeah. andy the northern diver look him up give him a try also I want to say as well while we're going through these times if you are thinking about getting any dive kit service or you think about buying something new to replace an old piece look at your local dive set get in contact with them it's always best to build that relationship up with them and talk to them about whatever piece of dive kit you need Gemma's just done this yourself haven't you Gemma? Yep, just ordered my mask, my fins, snorkel and bag, kit bag. Yeah, all nice pink and black. So there we go. Uh, so hello to our local dive centres, Crystal Seas and Scuba Libra. Hello to you guys. Very quickly, just want to run over our last episodes, what we've done. So 4th of May, we had John Chatton come on and talk uh, about his diving, technical diving. 8th of May... Uh, John Chatterton part two where he talked about listening to Enya was Enya on the way down to the, the Titanic way down to Titanic how about that 12th of May we had Christina Zanato came back to talk about cave diving if you look on our YouTube channel some lovely videos that uh, Christina gave us to put on now let's very quickly talk about our YouTube channel and if you want to see photos maybe in the videos what they've sent us you'll find them on our YouTube channel with links mm-hmm. and that is called a big chat a big chat but we do need you to subscribe again it's a free way of supporting us if you can please so look on there look at all the content some really good videos from our uh, great guests who've uh, contributed towards it as always we need you to, to subscribe and ring the old bell okay that's enough for me Gemma, anything else no i think you've covered everything brilliant good i've been told to hurry up so Let's crack on with our brilliant guest. Uh, he's a really young guy. He's from Denmark and he moved over to Bahamas, left his job as an engineer, uh, does a lot of diving. He is a paddy instructor. Let me stop running on. He can let, tell us let, more about himself. He can tell him more about his own self. So 
let's crack on with the show. Enjoy, everybody. We'll speak to you afterwards. Rats and yellows on the lake. Take the options. Hello. The Hello. Hello. Yes. <laughs> How are you anyway? I'm good, good. How are you? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. All good. Thank you for joining us for our Zoom <laughs> meeting. So welcome, Kevin, to the podcast. Thank you very much for joining us all the way from the Bahamas. So you're originally from Denmark um, and then two years ago you decided to leave your engineering job to move to the Bahamas. You've worked as a professional diving instructor Sharks were the initial reason that sparked your decision to complete an internship in Fiji. During your stay with projects abroad, uh, you decided to make changes to your career. Currently, you're working with the Caribbean Reef Shark as a feeder, a handler and a videographer. And you've had the opportunity to dive with other species as well. In the Bahamas, you've discovered a passion for cave diving too. And after completing your cave dive training in 2018, January, um, you started spending hours in the local cave system. You're a KISS sidewinder, closed circuit rebreather diver, cave surveyor and cave explorer. After participating in the completion of the exploration and survey of three different systems, you're currently working on advanced survey projects with people of the water to create 3D interactive and digital maps using new technology. You're determined to keep exploring and discovering new systems and your ultimate goal is to provide educated and detailed information to promote the conservation of the passageways and the land that surrounds them. So the big question is what got you into diving? Did anyone inspire you to dive? Yes so first of all thank you so much for having me on this podcast it's an absolute pleasure pleasure to get with you guys and the way I got into diving was I was back in Denmark working um, in electronics and I was working in a small production and I wanted to continue my my studies and I knew I had a couple of months in between from my job and to the studies and I wanted to do some traveling mm -hmm. and I was kind of you know looking around on the internet figuring out where I wanted to go uh, it was three months I was like as I was looking I was you know it's kind of a long time to travel by yourself three months so then I started to think about well maybe I could you know, find somewhere I could do some volunteer work and, you know, spend the three months like that. And then as I was looking, I found this shark conservation project in Fiji. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I need to do this. And I had never been diving or anything like that. I just always thought that I would like to be, di to be a diver. I just always mm -hmm. loved the idea about diving from watching movies and things like that. So it was just the right step for me to do that. Yeah. And was there any attraction because it was to do with sharks? Or was it just like, yeah, I want to do that? Yes, it was because of the sharks. I've always been fascinated by sharks. Don't ask me why, but they've always been fascinating to me and watching programs on TV and stuff like that. And then it was just, as soon as I saw it, I knew I had to do it. Yeah, meant to be. Yes, exactly. Great. How, and how old were you? So when you first, was, when, when you first started diving, how old were you? I was 21. Was that, you know, when you first sort of jumped in, do you remember, how was it? Was it like, you, did you sort of think, wow, this is just like really great or were you sort of like a bit nervous or anything like that? When I first jumped in, it was just, of course, you're a little bit nervous, but as soon as you jumped in and you look down at this, you know, crystal clear water, I was just almost hypnotized and you yeah. swim around and you see all the corals. And then I was lucky with Fiji because, I mean, Fiji is the soft coral capital of the world. So they have amazing corals and amazing colors and the fish down there and it was just like watching the most amazing paintings ever mm -hmm. and you know just being weightless floating around there and just 
taking it all in. So I was just hypnotized. I can relate to that. I remember my first dive in the sea abroad, and I was just like, wow, uh, you grew up in Denmark. What, what's diving like in Denmark? So I never actually done any dives in Denmark. And I, there, I have a friend of the family that is a diver um, that I heard is a little it? bit. But I, later on, I, he- I heard about actually some nice spots in Denmark, apparently. But I've never done it. But I've heard that, that there is some great spots to actually dive there. And is diving popular in Denmark? It's not super popular, but there is, uh, I mean, a couple of dive centers. Most of the dive centers, though, they... You know, they do the teaching and then they promote trips to go and use whatever you, you learn in the courses. Did you dive before you went to Fiji? I'm guessing not. No, I did not. It was the first time when I went there. And it's like as soon as you jump in and you see all these things, all all the worries you had just drift away to the surface with your bubbles. You forget all the worries you had and you just, you're just in the, that moment and just truly enjoying. So why the Bahamas? Yes, well, the reason why I came to the Bahamas in the first place was for the tiger sharks, the famous tiger beach uh, in Fiji. We the diving we did, we saw a lot of sharks on some of the dives. And we did, I did a couple of shark dives there, some different ones. And on one of them, in the last week I was there, I've been wanting to see a tiger the whole the three months I was there. And the last week I finally saw one. And as I you know spent the dive with that tiger, I just wanted more. I wanted to spend more time with the tigers. And then there's no better place to go than the Bahamas. It's a lifestyle you choose. Some people love it. Some don't and I, I love it. Uh, the first time I came here and spent a couple of weeks here, I just fell in love with this island. And actually, when I was, I went back home and then when I came back here to do some more courses here, I actually remember thinking I'm going to my second home. And it was only the second time I was here, but it was, I already felt like this was home for me. That's a nice feeling. That's good. So when you moved to the Bahamas, did you actually start doing shark work or did you continue with your qualifications for diving and work in kind of the tourism or? So the first time I got here um, was I just came home from Fiji after the three months. I did my open water course in Fiji. I did my advanced course and my rescue course in the three months I was there. And then I was, you know, diving all the time, diving the weekends when we had time off and could travel to the other islands, do some yeah. more diving. And then when I came home, I wanted to continue to become a dive master. And that's when I came to the island here in Grand Bahama the first time. I did the dive master and spent some more time with the sharks. But it was not until later when I met Christina Sanato and basically signed up for her shark uh, handling experience. That's the first time I got to really interact with the sharks. So what kind of inspires you about sharks? What is the attraction? Well, the sharks are just, to me, they're just so beautiful they're like the perfect creation for the environment um, and they have been around for more than 400 million years and survived five mass extensions so that's pretty amazing and they just the way they move through the water is just so elegant to watch them yeah i mean when you see the video footage it's just yeah incredible to see. Yeah. were you apprehensive at first when you experienced your first shark when it appeared no i wasn't because i before i had you know watched enough and read enough about sharks to know that they're not the mindless eating machines that they're made up to be and mm. i was just excited to be in the water with them and to see them up close and to just to be with their with them so in terms of the sharks that you've experienced is there a breed of shark that particularly excites and inspires you yes the, the the one is the tiger sharks the one that just the the long bodies and they they have like these big round dark eyes and they just look so almost like adorable i just love looking at the tigers <laughs> um and obviously there's so many species of sharks so are there any that you particularly 
haven't dived with that you do want to dive with? Yes, there are so many to pick from, right? Um, but I always, when I started to really, you know, get into the sharks and learn about the different kind of sharks, I always found the Greenland shark very fascinating. And I know it's a very rare shark to actually be able to dive with, and it's usually spend a lot of its time very deep and in very cold waters, but there is places you can do it. And they're just very fascinating sharks and they're very slow moving and they have like these parasites that get on their eyes and they basically make them blind. And they're just very fascinating shark. Wow, that's it. Yeah, it is incredible. There's just so many species. What uh, countries have you traveled to that where you can dive? So I, I was in Fiji, that was the first one. Um, yeah. And then I did, I came to the Bahamas after and did some diving here where I did my dive master course, like I said. And after that, I was in Mexico for a little bit. And then I've been in Florida, North Florida, in the caves there. And that's where I've been so far. So where, where, where are you with the current levels? I'm an instructor. After the Bahamas, so it's kind of a funny story because I, I was here doing the dive master and I, was, I came in the season where there was not really any good chance of seeing tiger sharks, which was the reason I came here, but I didn't realize uh, where the season was. And then as I was here, I was, you know, doing some research on about sharks, how I could get more sharks in that trip. And that's when I found Christina Sanasa's website. And yeah. I saw she had the, the shark handling experience. And when I saw that, it was the same as when I saw the, the shark conservation project in Fiji. I was like, I knew I had to do this. I sent her an email and um, we agreed to meet up as I was there. I came to her office and we were talking. And then I said, I also want to become an instructor. And she's a course director. So I signed up for the, the instructor course with her. And then we agreed to do it in January of the next year. And this was in August. So it was quite a distance in between. And then when I came home, I, I was you know, craving the water. I just wanted to get back in the water. And it was a long time to wait. Um, so I was sitting at home and trying to maybe find a job as a dive master in between. So get some more experience and then yeah. could come and do the instructor course with Christina and the shark handling program. But then I realized it's not that easy for a new dive master to find a job. Um, and I spent a lot of time and basically no one responded back to me. Um, and then I finally got one company that responded back and said, you can come here and do your, your <clears throat> you can do your, instructor course with us and then you can work before and as a dive master and then we do the instructor yeah. and I thought oh well that's a great you know that gets me back in the water right now but that meant I had to change my plans with Christina because I still wanted to do the shark handling program and I kind of felt bad for canceling for the IDC so I said maybe we could do the master scuba diver like the five specialties I could do that with her and the handling experience and then we agreed on that and then I was just waiting for the people, this, there was an Indonesian, I was just waiting for them to say, oh, you can come on this date and this is how it works. And then I didn't hear from them for a week and I emailed them to see what was going on. And they were basically like, oh, we found someone else. <laughs> and then I already changed the plans for Christina and I didn't want to, you know, change them again. So <laughs> now I was in a hurry to find somewhere to do the IDC before I got to Christina to do the five specialties, instructor specialties. And then... Basically, I found Mexico and I went to Mexico to do the instructor training there. And they offered for, on top of the course, they offered to do the five specialties. So now I was again like, I'm sorry, Christina, but I'm going to do the specialties here. And then I didn't want to cancel. So I 
said, okay, let's change it. Maybe we can do some other specialties that she could teach a little bit more special ones. So I said, let's do the, the side mount and, uh, and the cavern. To be a cavern instructor, you have to be a full cave diver. And then that's how I basically said, okay, let's do full cave diver. Yeah, so I did with, when I got here with Christina, we basically ended up, after all the change plans, we ended up doing side mount. I did advanced nitrox with her. I did decompression procedures. And then I did the full cave. Um, and then ended up being kind of a mentor uh, for me. So as I was progressing through my dives and, you know, getting experience and when I was ready, she would be there and say, okay, let's add this. And then we would add another level onto my training. So cave dive would scare quite a lot of uh, people as do sharks, you know, because if they're, you know, if all they see is what they hear on telly and things like that, you know, they're going to be scared of sharks, I suppose. Um, you say that it's the diving is, um, it's like a landscape, a cave dive is like a landscape under a landscape. You know, yes. what made you think of that? What, you know, where does that come so it is true that a lot of people are scared of cave diving and sharks. I, when I told my family and friends that I was you know, going to the Bahamas to do those things, they were kind of looking at me like I was crazy. But yeah, it's, I say that because it, it was all decorated during the ice age when the water level was 400 feet lower here in the Bahamas. And all the decorations down there, they were just created drop by drop and mineral by mineral, basically yeah. stunning. And it's just different decorations and they're all unique and it's just a place of wonder you, you know you go there and you wonder oh where does it go and yeah. what secret is laying here yeah it must be incredible it's a... is it eerie going into uh, a cave complex like that where it's just you know potentially you could find areas that have never been no one's been there before is it do you find it eerie sometimes it can be yes um me and christina a while back we we were we found a potential the hole that could be a cave it was a hole filled with water and we basically when we we had to go there and it's kind of like a, a very long walk um, to get to the hole and it was over all these sharp rocks and there was vines catching your feet and filled with mosquitoes and once we finally got to this hole when you looked in the hole it was just a big black hole it was completely black and when you're standing there your mind can you know starts playing tricks on you like Maybe there's a creature down there no one knows about. Um, <laughs> right? Yeah, it, it kind of starts, you know, playing like your mind is kind of like, uh, but then when you get in the water and you look down, then you realize, yeah, it's just my mind. It's, it's all good. But then this particular place, it had a lot of hydrogen sulfide, so it was completely black. So when I was upright in the water looking down, I could barely see my feet. So then again, it's a little bit, but then when you go through the layers, you're like, oh, okay. And then as soon as you see what's down there, it just it all. Do you ever do that thing where you suddenly like just look at Christina and go, what was that? Yeah, sometimes that happens. Um, well, just this is a joke or something like that, or, you know. Yes. I think I, I probably would have done until. Well, I'm sure you would have done. <laughs> what, what would be your favourite cave complex? Yes, I do. My favorite one is Ben's Cave. It is a pretty amazing system. It has uh, a lot of different areas. It has black areas, it has white areas, it has orange areas, highly decorated. Uh, in the back of the system, there's like huge tunnels. Um, there's like flowstone covering the walls. It looks like a waterfall frozen in time of calcite. And it's, yeah. that's a truly amazing system. Have you got a best cave dive or a most memorable cave dive? Is there anything that kind of really is at the pinnacle at the moment? Yes, there is one that's very memorable that I will 
probably never forget. Um, we did a, me and Christina, we did an exploration dive in a cave called Anaconda Swamp. She had been there, I think she talked about as well. She had been there, you know, 10 years ago where they didn't go that far into the system. Mm -hmm. And when we went there, we managed to go further in and she was in front of me. She was doing the exploration. I was behind her with the, the survey and I was surveying we were going in. And as we were going in and we, I was looking you know, next to the line and there was just this waterfall of bones. It was all like, it was a full crock. We knew there was a skeleton that Christina had found 10 years earlier. But yeah. when I saw it, it was just all the bones, the vertebrae and its teeth and it's just everything. That mm -hmm. I will never. That must have been a weird experience, especially underwater as well. It's just... Yes, and also because the crocs are extinct here and has been for many, many years. And it's just amazing that to see them down there completely preserved and just all there. Mm, wow. Yeah. So have you been in any other cave systems around the world or is it just in the Bahamas where you've, you've done cave diving? Um, I've done a couple of dives in North Florida as well, in a cave country and some of the caves there, which are mm -hmm. very different than the caves here. Um, in Florida, they have, they have flow, um, so you're swimming in against the flow and then the flow takes you out. Uh, the caves there are not decorated like ours are, it's more big tunnels. And we've obviously covered um, your technical ability sort of as diving. Have you got any other qualifications that you can do or want to do to take you further into some technical diving? Yes, um, I would like to become, I mean, there's always, you know, opportunity to grow and become better. I would like to become a cave instructor in the, in the future and share this place with other people and mm -hmm. make them fall in love with it like I did. Uh, Trimix is another thing I would like to do, but right now it doesn't make much sense for me to do because I don't really need it right now. But if I ever do, I would like to do that. Have you got any advice for people that obviously they've been recreational drivers, they've done their advanced. Would you, what's your kind of opinion of them taking their diving experience or qualifications further? Did you say go for it or give it? Yes, I would, I would definitely say go for it, for sure. Mm. Yeah, did you um, find it very difficult or were you kind of quite set in it, thinking I'm going to do this and get through it? So for me, the cave course was very challenging. Um, I, I was already an instructor at that point and I thought I had good buoyancy, but good buoyancy in open water and cave diving is two very different things. Um, so for me, it was very hard. I was in a new side mount configuration as well. So we carried the tanks on the side and it was, it was very challenging. And at a certain point, I basically said to Christina after we surfaced from a dive, I said, I don't think I'm good enough to do that because I already fallen in love with the place and I was afraid that I would destroy it. So I was kind of like, I'm not good enough for this. And Christina was like, you know what? I'm the instructor. And if I, I didn't think you were good enough, you wouldn't be here. So I kept working and, um, we finished the course and then after the certification, I started doing, you know, small dives and I did um, just simple dives up the main line. And then on the way out, I would practice some of the skills. I would practice laying the, the reel, putting in jumps and things like that. And then slowly progress and just gain experience. And then once I became better, then we could add the new tools. And Christina was, like I said, the mentor that helped me put on the new tools, get better when I was ready for it. Yeah, she sounds like a great teacher. Yes, it's very, it's a very unique situation and it's, I'm very lucky that I have that opportunity that she can mentor me through some of this. And she has immense you know, knowledge about this, these systems here and just caves in general. So it's incredible. So your um, deepest cave completed, how deep is your deep dive? 
So that one was uh, Anaconda Swamp. It goes to 58 meters, so it bottoms out. Yeah. But it's the most challenging was actually a dive we did in Ben's cave. It was a survey dive to the back of the cave, which is a four-hour swim. Wow. Um, where we're constantly swimming. And I would rather do you know, a shallow dive where you actually have more bottom time, more time to see things down there. And let's face it, I mean, if you do a deep dive, you have a lot of deco. Deco is mm-hmm. not the funniest thing to do. It's kind of boring yeah. to just sit there. Got some really good photos. Is that something you've learned and picked up as you've gone on or you've been on the course to do that? Um, it kind of came with the, with the job. So I learned on the job. And then as I was doing it, I kind of loved doing it. And then, you know, when you love something, you spend more time on it and you try to get better. And I've come to really enjoy it. Do you look back on your previous um, engineering electronics kind of world and think, how did you ever get here? Yes, I do. Um, as it, but yeah, I kind of find my, you know, my right calling a little bit later did the other things. But then by doing all the electronics, it also gave me a lot of tools that I can take with me into this world and that I can mm-hmm. apply to what I'm doing now. So in a certain way, I'm very happy that I have that electronics background because it have helped me a lot in <clears throat> what I'm doing now. But once you've got like an engineer in mind, you can apply those sort of thinking to some of the tech, especially with tech. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's where the engineer mind really helps. Like, yeah, that's good. At least you can fix your own equipment and you're not going to send them off or rely on somebody else to fix them. And I'm also a scuba pro technician, so I can service the regulators, which is also something I really like to do. And that's like the reason why you got into electronics in the first place was because I always love to do something with my hands and to create something and there's nothing better than to get something that's broken and fix it and then suddenly work in again. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that's another part I love about the regulators as well, to, to service them. It is, and especially where you live, you don't be you don't spend all your, your time traveling about to have stuff repaired. It's cost effective if you, if you can do it yourself and plus it's a great way of understanding how it all works. And also living here in the Bahamas, it's very hard to ship anything out to get it serviced and get it back. It's yeah. very pricey to do that and it also takes a lot of time before it's going to come back to you yeah i bet um scariest moment so you know you've done some really deep dives and, and you just told us about your rebreather that had gone wrong the other day has there ever been a, a moment you thought blimey that was a that was a close one and, and i haven't really had like close calls but i have moments where your heart rate starts going up and you're like oh no then like i had when sometimes we do the survey and you know you're going in with the the Nemo, the survey tool we have, and some places of the caves have very fragile ceilings. So when you exhale your bubbles, the ceiling starts raining on you. And sometimes when you go in with the Nemo, you spend a little bit more time because you're doing the survey. And then suddenly sometimes that happened where a big piece fell down and hit your leg and you know you're there by yourself and you're kind of like, what was that? And then you got small piece of the ceiling, it's fine. <laughs> but it gives you just for a second, you're like, oh no. That didn't happen. Yeah, it must be quite scary. Is it scary being on your own in a cave? No, I don't think it is. Um, I don't think about it like that because I know I have the training and I have the tools to deal with whatever is going to come. Mm. One of the things that Christina teaches a lot is um, <clears throat> muscle memory. So if something goes wrong, because you've practiced this so many times, so if something goes wrong, you just have, without even thinking about it, you just react to it and then you make your way out. So, so is it much like noise pollution down there? With the rebreather now, it's completely silent, which is very peaceful to be down there. Well, some of some of the caves are actually going under the road. So if you on that section and a car passes over, it's 
then it's a little bit scary. The car comes over because it really roars. It's like a freight train coming over you. It sounds really, like. yeah. Because a noise travels a lot more in the water, doesn't so. it? And some yeah. of the cables are like right under the road, so you're only maybe you know maybe less than ten meters under the road. Just and the car comes. That's that's a little bit. <laughs> so uh, you're involved with the people of the water, um, which is a non-profit organization dedicated to the change people's relationship with our aquatic world through exploration, education, and content. Founded by Christina Sonato, a recognized diving who has spent 25 years living and working in the Bahamas, contributing to major projects to ocean, oceans, sharks, and caves. Aims are to widen the conduction of training, education, and research and studies relating to water, ocean, and environmental issues, affecting both the people and animals in the said environments. So, you know, how did you get involved? And, you know, what's your involvement in the... Uh, people of the water organization so people of the water i um with the mentorship with christina we started when she you know started the nonprofit. i was you know there and became a team member uh volunteer my time to help with um, all the research and the studies especially in the caves um <clears throat> once she found it we really started with the cave surveys um we had the nemo uh, she actually acquired it on a net geo shoot um and Sebastian Keister, the guy that made it, is absolutely brilliant. And she she had it, and she said, "Oh, we're gonna." We were talking about starting survey of some of the caves because they were actually in danger of development. And she was, you know, you, if I wanted, if I was interested in helping, and of course I was. And she basically gave me the Nemo and said, "You know, you can start practicing and figure out how to use it." What, what is the Nemo? So the Nemo is a. Uh, a survey tool created by Sebastian Keister. And um, it basically works that you you can clip it onto the cave line inside the caves, the line that we follow. And you basically press a button and it starts. And once it starts, it's taking the, the azimuth, it's taking the depth. And then once you start running it um, along the line, it basically measures the distance. There's a small wheel inside that have a sensor and then every time the wheel passes a certain distance, you know, it counts the distance and then you just run it across the, the reel and uh, the line and then it collects um, how long the, the length of that line. And then once you reach another turn, you stop it and then it calculates again the depth there and the atom up. And then once you get home, you put it into the program called Ariane's line and then you'll basically see the map how it unfolds. And then you can overlay Google Earth and things like that and see where it actually goes exactly on the on land. And that's what's going to help us protecting the whole system and make sure that they don't develop on top of it and basically damage the system and the freshwater reservoir that's there. Is that a widely known piece of kit then? Is, you know, that cave divers in this country would could use or, or do use? It is becoming... The Nemo is becoming more and more popular in the cave diving communities, and it's very affordable device to get, and it's small. I mean, you can operate it with one hand, so it's very efficient. One person can go with it and do a lot of work in one dive. It's very cost-efficient as well, so it's, mm. it's a really amazing tool to have. And then that links in, as you said, with Google Earth. So uh, once you put that in, you can see exactly where it where the cave systems go, and then that gets fed into um, 
planning and things like that, as you say, for buildings. Yeah, so we can try to protect that land, the whole cave, and not just the entrance, because um, we want to protect the whole system and make sure that people don't develop, because if they start developing on top of the cave system itself, it's going to, yeah. uh, all the pollutants going to run through the ground into the cave and pollute the whole system. So it's not enough to just protect the entrance. We have to protect the whole system. And then I'm also writing blocks for them um, right now. We have plenty of time to do that, you know, trying to grow a little bit so we can, you know, continue with projects and more projects. Um, we also do a lot of work with the sharks and some of the things we would like to do in the future is to be able to actually tag some of the Caribbean reef sharks that we work with and basically learn where they go to reproduce, where do they go and get their babies. So we can also work on protecting those areas and make sure that, you know, the, the pups survive and we can continue to have a healthy population here. So that is some of the things we try to work on as well. We'll obviously share like the social media links to the people of the water, but is there anything that you'd like to say to like the podcast listeners about people of the water or tell them where they can go or what they can do to kind of further the cause? Yes, they can go on the people of the water's website, um, nonprofit.org, and they can also go on Christina's uh, social medias or mine and see what we're up to or people of the water social medias. Um, they can follow what we're doing uh, on the website. They can also read about some of the projects we have done that we are working on. We have quite a few ongoing projects, so they can always follow there. We are you know, working on surveying the caves and we are working on, we have a big project that we're doing, working on mapping all the caves on the island. As many of them are known that they're there, but no one really knows where they go or there's no data of where they go. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's places that might be a cave but it's maybe collapsed and there's no way to go through the system and we're also gonna document that so that's some of the things we're working on we're working on interactive maps of all of ben's cave is right now the project really tackling which is a map that allows non-divers uh, or divers or anyone basically that visits the park um, the plan is to have a big screen at the park there's going to be basically a video and it's going to be a touch screen when you can the the cave itself all the lines are going to, the map is going to be there and then it's going to be dots on the line and people can basically come and click on a dot a video will open up and it's yeah. going to be the video swimming down exactly that spot where they touched the dot will be moving you can see where you're swimming and it'll just be the video of as they were there cool. themselves so that is a completely new technology that's actually we've beta testing it so it's never been done before um, right. so that's very exciting that we part of that yeah that's amazing it's a bit like street view so i suppose you're on a street and you can yeah, down, down the tunnel <laughs> obviously back to diving is there anything that you would have done on your diving journey differently um realized earlier the diving was <laughs> no but i'm to be honest I'm, I'm actually very happy with where i am at this stage of my journey i haven't been on the journey for that long and where i am now i'm very happy with that and what i've accomplished so far yeah so to a non-diver or someone like me just thinking about it have you got any advice what what would you say to them to encourage them to travel along this scuba road yes i would definitely encourage people to you know, start getting on this road because it is really amazing and um, one of my favorite things as an instructor is to show people the underwater world a lot of people, they, you know, in the beginning, they're very nervous, they may be a little bit scared, but as soon as the people jump in the water and the first sharks will inspire them, they just forget everything and their facial expression completely changes. And it's one of the most priceless to see. And so I, 
I would definitely encourage people to to try it, and there's a good chance they will love it. And then once they start the journey, I would say, you know, uh, keep working on your skills. And one of the most important ones is going to be your buoyancy, and that's something that's also very easy to work on every time. Once you're certified, one of the things that I did to I always try to improve myself in every dive. And one of the things I did was every time I came up to do my three-minute safety stop, a lot of people would hang on to the line and just mm-hmm. relax as I'm doing the safety stop. Instead, I would, if the conditions, you know, allow it, if there's not a strong current and things like that, I would, you know, not hold on to the line, try to keep the trim in the water and try to just sit there for the three minutes and practice my buoyancy. And I would do that on every dive for the three minutes every time. So keep practicing your skills. You know, the more you do this, the better you get. Isn't it? The easier it becomes. And then once you're ready to go to maybe the next level and you add on some another level or some new equipment, then the buoyancy is just, it's just easy. It's there. And then you only have to focus on that one new thing because the rest, you already built that. So it's practice, practice then for me. People have to be relatively fit for diving. And obviously you do your cave diving as well. What do you do to keep up your fitness for diving do you do any like working out or have you got anything specific that you've routines that you follow to make sure that you're in sort of prime condition for the diving yeah i do um i'm i'm running regularly um and then i'm working out on i have this set of gymnastic rings that i really love using it's a different kind of workout and it really focuses a lot on the core which is important to have a strong core and then you know sometimes just going to the caves is a workout in itself carrying on water and yeah. then the swimming as well. You know, sometimes we do four hours of constant swimming. So it's a lot of work as well. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. And, and then I try to eat healthy. Yeah. And I think probably in the times of lockdown for the divers, yeah, particularly. Now you have plenty of time to work out. Yeah, well, fitness is important. With sharks and diving in dark caves, that would scare an awful lot of people you know, if they're just sitting at home listening to this and they're not a diver. Does anything scare you outside of the diving world or the cave world in just general life? Well, yes. The thing that scares me is how we're treating our environment, especially with the pollution. I'm afraid for the caves. I'm afraid that the caves will be destroyed the way Mm -hmm. people, they act uh, with the pollution, with the development. And the thing is, the caves, especially here, is so important because it's our fresh freshwater reservoir. People don't seem to be really caring about it and it's going to be very very important in the future when we're going to have issues with clean drinking water so that is the thing that scares me the way we treat this environment so in the bahamas the fresh water the drinking water does it literally come from the reservoirs that the caves hold or do you produce your own fresh water? yes it comes from the underground from wow. the caves yeah yeah we can see the importance of, yeah once that's gone yeah water's life yes it is and years from now we're gonna be fighting wars over water so it's very important that we protect these places that actually have fresh drinking water for us mm. yeah no that's great have you dived in the uk i've been to the uk but that was before i was a diver so i actually haven't been diving there not yet but you know still time so you yeah absolutely know. yeah well let us know if you do and then um, we can uh, maybe put you in the right direction of some places to go definitely that sounds good when you're not diving is there anything else? Any other hobbies, pastimes, anything like that you do? Yes, I've been uh, reading a lot of books recently. I'm slightly obsessed, so it's mostly about cave diving, but, you know. <laughs> um, Any particular book? Um, I've been reading, so my favorite one is Cavern Michelas to Men. It's by Sheikh Exley. It's an absolute phenomenal book. 
and then I've been reading some books by Rob Palmer. He was an explorer in the Bahamas. He did a lot of explorations in the Blue Holes, and it's about his journey through the explorations on, on the islands here. So there's stuff to learn from that. So those have been really. Yeah. And then I listened to a lot of music in my free time. I I grew up with music. Uh, my dad always listened to a lot of music, and I. Uh, when I was younger, I used to play guitar, uh, played in bands and things like that. So music always been a big part of my life as well. Any particular type of music? <laughs> I listened, I actually have a pretty broad spectrum, but I usually just listen to heavy metal or uh, rock. Uh, I've loved yeah. rock from the 70s, 80s and uh, a lot of blues. So it's a little bit of different. Good yeah, mix. Different, yeah. I don't remember the 80s. Oh my oh, yeah, God. You're so young, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Move on from there quickly. Right, uh, we talked about wrecks. Have you, have you dived any wrecks? Any favourite wrecks? I know uh, Christina said there's, there's a few out there. Yeah, uh, I've been diving the recreational wrecks here in the Bahamas. Um, a couple of wrecks in Fiji. Um, and we have some amazing ones here, but nothing compares to the cave. So I'm definitely more into more of that. But we have some nice wrecks here. Any particular ones? Um, we have a wreck here that's called Cindy's wreck that I really like. It's it's a fairly uh, young wreck. It was it was sunk in 2016, so it's not that old, but it's still completely intact and have it's very beautiful um, and you can swim inside it a little bit and it's it's one of my favorite wrecks here. Have you a funniest moment or a kind of blip in your diving career? I don't remember a specific moment, but we always, when Christina is teaching her shark handling experience and I'm usually taking the video and there's a lot of moments when we're just looking at each other and just laughing of something. It could be the student or it could be sometimes the sharks do some weird things. That's just hilarious. You know, we just know as we look at each other and we just start laughing. So do you, with the sharks, obviously Christina's um, sort of named a few of them. So have you got that kind of, you know, which shark shark as well have you got a favorite yes i do know them all as well um i do have a favorite it's stompy because stompy is always there always gentle and she loves to be pet so it's it's nice to build a connection with her she's truly amazing and she's one of the biggest ones as well and how, how big do they are they just to give the listeners a perspective uh, we're actually doing um, working on a project as well for people of the water that's um, <clears throat> measuring the sharks. We do photogrammetry and try to measure the sharks and see how big they are, and also to see you know the growth rate of some of them. And some of them is two and a half meters, so they're yeah. a good. Yeah. And how long do they the, the these reef sharks live for? Have they got a kind of lifespan or? Yeah. So they are believed to live for about twenty-five to thirty years. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of them have been here, individuals have been here for more than 14 years. That's, that's pretty cool. You can really build, you know, almost a relationship with them because you see them so often and they're here for so many years. Yeah. And then we're also working on, um, you know, cataloging all of them. So the, the names are based on different features. That's what we also do, try to take pictures of them and catalog them and, you know, put down the names and things like that. Mm. And that way we can also see who is coming back dive after dive and who is there, you know, today, who's there tomorrow and, and things like that. Yeah, it's really amazing. Your future, have you got any aspirations for the future in terms of, I, mean, I know it's always difficult to put a time scale on things, but have you got kind of a bucket list of where you want to be or what you want to do? Yes, um, I would like to be working 
you know, in a few years, primarily with the caves and doing more research of them, more of the sediment and the water quality in the caves. Um, and I would like to be, you know, more involved in testing new technologies and beta versions like we're doing with the interactive map, um, things like that, that where hopefully I'm going to be in. Yeah. And with the lockdown situation, I mean, hopefully we'll be out of that soon. But has it had a big, obviously you're not diving with the sharks at the moment, are you? No, it's had a big effect. We The only thing we can do right now is go to the caves. We are basically home without a job, uh, no pay. All it's just the volunteer work we do for the, for the Bahamas National Trust and with people off the water. But also on top of this, we have had you know, minimal income the past seven months due to Hurricane Dorian. So it's a little bit of a rough patch right now over here but yeah. hopefully we're going to get out of it soon and back to a little bit well maybe is there anything you'd like to say to the listeners to try and encourage them to the bahamas yeah <laughs> well yes um definitely well the bahamas has so many things to offer um and in the diving world uh, you know non-divers as well but mm-hmm. in the diving world we have so many different things we have you know beautiful reefs uh, shallow deep we have wrecks we have the caves we have so many different species of sharks in the bahamas you can dive with so there's quite a lot to come and experience in the bahamas that would be great for, for people and we have you know the guided we have guided uh, cabin tours cave mm-hmm. tours and, and things like that so there's a lot of different diving that can be done here yeah in terms of the caves in the bahamas so non-divers you can actually walk into the caves as well can you or a lot of them underwater um you can walk to um the cave entrances and see those there is one cave called owl hole you can actually jump into it it's like a base you can jump off it's about 10 meters to the water and you can jump into the water and swim around in the pool and then there's a ladder back up so you can definitely come and have a look at them see what the entrances look like yeah snorkeling and things like that should be all right Yes, you can go snorkeling and you can, especially in owl hole, you can also free dive a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. Just stay down and come back up. Mm. Yeah. Do you free dive as well? I haven't really been free diving much. I've been more focused on the cave diving. So, but that might be something I'm going to consider. Yeah, give it a go. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Have you got, I think that's kind of nearly all our questions, really, isn't it, Gemma? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, thanks for that. Uh, have you got any questions for either myself or Je- uh, Gemma? Um, when are you guys going to come and visit here and do some diving? <laughs> yeah, I'll be right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the planes are ready. <laughs> yeah, it sounds such a diverse place to visit. It is. You yeah. should consider coming. Yeah, yeah no, been. Be nice. Yeah, and obviously the pictures and video footage that Christine has sent is just like, it just makes, it just inspires you and you think, wow, it's just another, there's so many dimensions to diving. I haven't even dived and you just realise that it is just yeah, an yeah. incredible yeah, experience. It's not, it's underwater, yeah, but it's just opens, it is another world. It truly is. It's a shame that, you know, we, we are, you know, we're in this lockdown and you didn't get to do your own wars because you know you, you have got all this to come and you know, it's, it's amazing once you that first first time it's amazing yeah it, it must be hard doing these podcasts and not be able to actually you know go out it must be just you know you're bubbling with excitement even more every time you hear someone talk about it so passionately and you just i want to go out there and experience that but you can right <laughs> that's exactly i'm so lucky that i've been able to talk to these amazing people and i haven't even died <laughs> <laughs> 
So, but I feel very lucky. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we really appreciate you know your time and Christina's time as well. It's, yeah, it's been an inspiration for me. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure the listeners will be yeah completely wowed yeah by it all as well. Not over but, yet because we've got five questions for you just to finish yes. off on. Okay. What is your favourite piece of dive diving kit and why? What is your so my favourite equipment has become the my kiss rebreather for sure because it has allowed me to you know, venture further into the case without carrying an excess amount of tanks. Um, and without the bubbles, there's also better visibility. It doesn't disturb, you know, the ceiling and, you know, you don't have the raining ceiling on you anymore, which is you know, quite nice. Um, so definitely my KISS rebreather is my favorite piece. So I have the KISS Sidewinder, which is a side mount rebreather. So it's just two small canisters on top of like on my side of my back on top of the side mounted tanks I have so it doesn't really make me much bigger than if I would just been open circuit side mount so with oh. that I can still go in all the places I could in the open circuit like all the small places that I could fit through before so that's why the side wind is absolutely perfect for that yeah. mm-hmm. and then I have been you know before I got into the breather I watched Christina with her breather and she had the side wind as well so I already fell in love with just watching her using it and her talking about it and yeah. So, because it is really an amazing machine and because it's so small compared to other rebreathers it's like nothing because other rebreathers some of the back mounted ones are like you know diving with a mini fridge on your back some of the side other side mount rebreathers out there is is quite big as well because they're the size of a of a tank so you end up having to carry what feels like three tanks instead with the side one it's just on your back and you barely notice it's there have you got a dive location on your wish list, your bucket list that you'd like to dive to or in? Yes, I have. I The next place I would like to go is the crystal case of Abaco. Uh, Abaco have some truly amazing caves that, you know, they're so decorated and just the videos and the pictures from there is just absolutely amazing. So I have to visit our neighboring island and, and check them out. Yeah, so that's not very far away from you then, is it? No, it's not. Yeah. It's yeah. a neighboring island, but. Oh, that's good. And can you name up to three people, past or present, who you would choose to either dive or snorkel with? So they don't have to be divers. They can be just regular people from history or people you know. Um, and, it, you know, you can take them diving or you can take them snorkeling. You know, can you give us three people who you would choose to go with? Yes. So the first one would be Sheikh Exley. Um, he was a famous explorer, the forefather of cave training. He was the first one to start you know, implementing some of the rules that we follow so it would be safer to the cave dives. He was a truly amazing you know, person for his time as well. And the beginning and the, the things that he did with the equipment available at that time was, was truly amazing. Unfortunately, that's not going to be possible anymore. He passed away, but I would definitely love to. Yeah, good choice. And the second one would be um, Rob Palmer, because he did so much exploration of the caves here in the Bahamas in the 70s and 80s. And again, what they accomplished with the gear at the time was pretty impressive. So I would have loved to have been able to dive with them and you know, see how they did it. Yeah. And the last one I would say is Bob Dylan, because I mean, really? who, wouldn't want, who, who wouldn't want to spend time with Bob Dylan? Yeah, excellent answer. No, I mean, Bob Dylan had a, you know, a way with words that was pretty amazing, I think. So... I would like to show him the place down there and have him describe it. So final question for you then. If you could put something on a billboard, metaphorically speaking, non-commercial, whether it be a statement, image, a question, 
even a quote, something to get something out there to the billions of people, a message. What would be that thing? What anything in mind? Yeah, so I would put up one of Christina's quotes that she actually is using, which is um, water flows through every aspect of our lives. Following that flow makes us realize that everything is vitally interconnected. And, you know, it just shows how I want to make people think about how important the fresh water actually is and how important it is to preserve it. So that is one of the things I put out there. It just is very understandable to every person in every walk of life. It is. And it's a timely, timely thing, isn't it? Where we find ourselves and we're all looking, thinking about the environment, how we are. So I think it's a good answer and uh, yeah, very good. Yeah, there's just one other question. Number five was, what's your favourite marine animal? My favourite marine animal, um, it's going to be the sharks. Um, I just love spending time in water with them to watch them and there's so many different species, so you can never get tired of them. <laughs> yeah, by the time you've worked through all those species. Yeah, no, that's really good. Oh, well, that's great. Thank you for those, yeah, answering all those questions. That's really... Thank you very much. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, thank you for your time. You can tell your passion, yeah, for the cave diving and the sharks as well. It's great. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was yeah, a pleasure to talk. Great. Okay. Well, stay well, safe. Stay hi to Christine for us. I will do. Great. See you again. Okay, thanks so much. Thanks. Bye. Wow, what an amazing young man Kevin is. A very inspirational journey, and he clearly had the calling for the underwater world and cave exploration. Thank you so much to Kevin, and we will chat more to him in the future. So keep tuning in and if you have any questions for Kevin, then please do email us or contact us via our social media platforms. We would like to clarify that we're in no way affiliated with any agency or organisation and all opinions expressed in this episode are our own and those of our guests. You're more than welcome to make comments about the show or if you have any suggestions on future topics or would like to be a guest, then do send us a message via our social media or our email. If you would like to follow us on our social media, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Big Scuba and on Twitter at the underscore big underscore scuba. We also have a YouTube channel where episodes are streamed along with footage of dives. Uh, we have a new uh, feature called Little Bit Chats. These are 40 minute interviews with guests and they're purely exclusive to YouTube. And you see footage of the interview and footage of the guests. Uh, videos and photos. Our email address is thebigscubapodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us via Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash thebigscubapodcast. Here you can make a monthly subscription and these start from as little as $2 or £1.60. Our music is kindly supplied by some local bands called Telling Truths, Marigolds and Blood Like Honey and you can listen to them more via iTunes and Spotify. So once again, thank you for listening to episode 13. It won't be long before episode 14 comes out, which will be more conversations from the ocean conservation world. Stay safe, keep smiling, and cheerio from me and Ian. Goodbye. I feel like the world